Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. A memorable portrayal of Jesus Christ that is mentioned often in the scripture is the portrayal of the rock. There are many instances in the scripture where rocks or stones are used to give spiritual portrayal of the Savior. In Exodus chapter 17, Moses was instructed to smite the rock in Horeb so that the water would come out and provide for the people. And Christ referenced himself as a living water and also as a spiritual rock. And Paul writes of this reference of the rock in Horeb, referring to Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. I think we have that on the screen. And all did all the drink, the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that, what kind of rock? Spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was who? Christ. And that rock was Christ. So in referring to Horeb, when the Israelites received that water uh, from the rocks being smitten, Apostle Paul draws the application, that rock they relied on for water was Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, of course, is also the living water. And so as we think about the rock in the Old Testament, we are in every way reminded that it was, the Jesus, it was Jesus Christ uh, 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 that was referencing too. And then also Jesus Christ also met, is mentioned uh, uh, that he will build his church on a rock. In Matthew 16, verse 18, and also on the, scry, uh, on, the, on the slide here, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the reason why the church is so powerful is not because of the gathering, but it's because how it's founded upon. It's founded upon Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I will build my church upon this rock. Not Peter, but himself. And many Catholics believe that this is referring to Peter. But the word Peter means stone, a little stone. But a rock, according to the scripture here, is that a bedrock, a very huge stone, like a foundational stone. And that's what Jesus Christ is referring to. And he's referring to himself. And if you want to have another reference of that, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, Peter writes of the foundational stone, the cornerstone about a building concerning the church. It says in verse 6, Wherefore also it is containing the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, which is the foundational stone, elect precious, that he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. So Peter confirms that this chief cornerstone is not the apostles, not any other, but it's Jesus Christ himself. So Jesus Christ is referred to as a rock, as a chief cornerstone. And Moses also reminds, going back to the Old Testament, the elders of Israel to build an altar of God when they pass over the Jordan River. And he reminds them to make sure they build an altar of stones with no carving or use of irons. And in Deuteronomy chapter 27, I love this verse, in verse 5, And there uh, shalt thou build an altar unto the Lord thy God, an altar of stone. Thou shalt not lift up any iron tools upon them. Thou shalt build the altar of the Lord thy God of whole stones, and thou shalt burn offering 
of uh, uh, burnt offerings thereon upon the Lord thy God. Now, why the whole stones, and why not the smooth? Why not smooth it out, and and why not refine the edges, and why not carve it with memorial? Why? Because it picture the Savior to come, who is a rock of our salvation, who will be the ultimate sacrifice for our salvation, and it needed no men's effort or men's beauty. So Christ is also mentioned as a stone cut without hands in Daniel chapter 2, verse 44 to 45. And in the days these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall be break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, that the break in pieces, the iron, the brass, the clay, silver, and the gold. And if you know the story of Daniel there, and that's uh, talking about the dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had. And he had this fantastic dream about this statue of gold and silver and bronze and then also iron. And, and then uh, uh, at the end, the feet was made with iron and clay together. And he couldn't find uh, 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 any uh, sorcerers or magicians or interpreters that could uh, uh, give the explanation of this dream. So Daniel comes and then is anointed by God, gives the explanation, and gives the explanation about the fact that those different materials represent different empires. And there, uh, there's gold, and then there's silver, and then there's bronze, meaning there's Babylon, there's Persia, and there's Grecia. And then lastly, there'll be the Roman Empire, which is iron. And then at the end, there'll be iron and clay. That's the kingdom of Antichrist. But then, guess what? The dream goes on. There is a stone that is not made out of hands. That's not cut out of hands, meaning it's not men's kingdom. And that stone will come forth and will break all the other empires apart. And that stone will be there to stay. Who is the stone? Our Savior, Jesus Christ. The second coming of our Savior. You see, he is called the rock, the stone made without hands. Who will come, who will rule, who will reign, and he will govern, and he will be worshipped one day. And, and every mouth will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So in reference to our Savior, the Bible gives the metaphor, or maybe the picture of a stone over and over again, and also rocks as well. And he is the unmovable rock. He is the unchanging rock. And the I'm sorry, my tongue is twisted this morning. I don't know what it is this morning. Maybe it's the hot weather. And uh, he is the unaltered rock. And he is the everlasting rock. He is a spiritual rock. And ladies and gentlemen, he is a, a rock that we, we, we can rely on this morning. And he will always be there. He will never change. He has overcome this world. And he will come back to rule and reign. I don't know about you. That gets me excited. That's really exciting news for me. And we could rely on different governments today, and we could think about the reforms that the, maybe the presidential candidates are uh, uh, giving out in different ads and speeches, but we know the perfect kingdom will only come by through Jesus Christ. And we are waiting for him. And uh, let us always say, dear God, come soon. Come soon. And we need him so and as we think about our rock and think about the one who established his kingdom, who established his rule, and as we think about our Savior, let us make sure not only do we uh, see him as the one who will rule in the future, let us see him as the one who also rules our lives today.
Let's not just get excited about the fact that he is a rock to come, he is a stone to come, he is the everlasting kingdom to come, but let us be excited about the fact that he is the rock that we stand on today and that he has the great right and also the great power to rule our lives and we need to always surrender to him. The biggest rock in the world is in Australia. It's called the Rock of Uluru and uh, is also known as the Ayers Rock. I'm sure many of you have seen pictures like this. It stands 1,142 feet high, rising 2,831 feet above sea level. Each year, over 400,000 people come around the world to see this magnificent grandeur of nature. As big as this rock is, the amazing part of this rock is what's visible. And uh, 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 I'm sorry, it's not what's visible, but it is what's invisible. The rock is only exposing 10% of its grandeur above the ground. The rest of the 90% is under the ground. And many people could see this rock and see this great, magnificent grandeur of nature and say, what a rock! But it's amazing what they don't see. And what's underneath the ground, this is only the 10% of the rock. The thickness of this rock underground is another 3.75 miles making this rock a total of 5.8 miles in circumference. And as we think about this rock, what a great picture of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we think about our God, who is to come, and we see him in the scripture, and we get excited about who he is, and and also how he will reign, and and we see a just brief picture of that. But when he does come, guess what? We will in every way be in awe to see the great things that he had in store, and to realize that he is the great spiritual rock. And even today as Christians, as we live in the 21st century, hey, we serve an invisible God. Let's not limit it by just what we see today and what we could analyze and how we could explain our God. Hey, let us really serve our God who is invisible and omnipotent, omnipresent, and he cannot in any way be uh, uh, limited to our finite minds today. Let us have faith in the rock who is greater than what we perceive this morning. Let us truly see the rock who is powerful, who is omniscient, who is immutable, who is never changing. And just like that rock in Australia, people are amazed by what they see. But what they don't see is a grander uh, 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 circumference of another 3.75 miles of that rock. And they shaman, uh, there are more things to explore about our Savior. And uh, there is nobody here this morning who have uh, uh, trusted all to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can trust more and more because our God is infinite. And our God is in every way limitless. And let us always have more faith in the rock. And let us have always that great reliance upon our Savior. Oh, this is why God tells in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly above, uh, 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 exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. You see, our God is reliable. Our God is powerful. Our God is immovable. And we need to stand and rely on our rock. And we might not understand what's going on and what he is doing, but let us re- recognize the fact that God is doing something wonderful in the, in, the, in the invisible as well. And let us make sure that we rely upon him and that we could truly ask some prayer requests that we might have and rely upon the rock, and he will answer those for you. 
And also with that, he will answer more than you could ask or think. That's a great truth. You might, you might ask the Lord about certain prayer requests, but God has something more in store for you. Isn't that wonderful? And ladies and gentlemen, that's what the Bible is saying there. Rely upon the rock and who is greater than you, who thinks greater than you, who is, his ways are higher than you, his thoughts are higher than you, and we need to rely on him and trust him. Our Savior shares a very convicting truth about salvation in the context of our passage. He speaks about the false prophets as guys in sheep clothing in the context. He speaks about the corrupt tree that produces corrupt fruit. He speaks about, he speaks about how their fruit, uh, he shall know them. He prophesizes that one day he will say, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. By the way, what a statement. You might go to church, you might have your Bible, but one day what if Jesus Christ says, I never knew you, depart from me. What a scary statement for you to hear, for you to never be saved. And that you go at the great white throne judgment, and your name is not written there on the uh, uh, Lamb's book of life. And Christ says, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that do iniquity. You might say, I went to Bible Baptist Church. You might say, I read my Bible. You might say, I prayed in your name. You might say, I gave to missions. You might say, I gave to church. I did all these things in your name. That's what they would say also, those, those false prophets. But Jesus would say, I never knew you. Why? You've never been born again. You never received Christ. You think about your works, what you did, and who you are. But you need Christ in your heart. You need Jesus Christ, that rock, that stand before, the way, the truth, and the life. He needs to forgive your sins. It's not your works or your position at church. No. I don't care if you're deacon or I don't care if you're a Sunday school teacher. I don't care if you're a nursery worker. I don't care if you're a bus worker. I don't care what kind of title you have. If you have never received Christ your personal Savior, you will go to hell. You don't have that rock. Ladies and gentlemen, you will go to hell. I remember one time knocking on a door in L.A. It's a brief story. Knocked on this man's door in his 50s. I asked him the question after a while. He said, guy today, would you know for sure about going to heaven? He looked on, down up on me, and he said, son, I'm a deacon. I've been a deacon for the last 30 years. And in my mind, I says, in my mind, sir, that wasn't, my, that wasn't the answer to my question. I didn't ask you if you're a deacon. I asked you if you're born again. Now, I didn't carry on the conversation, but it was very, he was very strong about the fact, hey, don't you know who I am? But I wonder if Jesus Christ knows that man. I wonder if he'll say, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that do iniquity. Oh, I hope you're saved this morning. I hope you're born again. I hope you're standing on a rock. If you're standing on a stand, you're sinking, my friend. You're going to sink down to the lake of fire. And that's the truth of the matter. What do you want me to say? That everything's okay? What do you want me to say? Go to church, be faithful, and just love the Lord. Is that all you want me to say? Never preach on hell, never preach on heaven. No, ladies and gentlemen, I need to preach on heaven. I need to preach on hell. Why? Because Jesus preached on hell. Jesus preached about heaven. i got to preach the whole counsel of God. And, and ladies and gentlemen, if you're not saved this morning, if you're not standing on a rock, oh, I hope you stand on the rock. I hope you receive Christ as your Savior. Or after this convicting and powerful delivery of our Savior, our Savior gives a tale of the two houses in the context he's referring to how people are hearing what he says, but never obey him, those who are not saved. And they're just flocking to hear him. They want to hear his uh, uh, magnificent words and speeches, but they never do what he says, and especially about 
the area of salvation. And so in the context, he is referring to those people hearing what he says but never obeying them. Now, I believe the story of the two houses is only an application, is a, is a great application of salvation, but I believe there's an application for the saved to be drawn. And, and if Christ is our rock, then we need to trust him and also obey him. Furthermore, and, and a, a rock is mentioned in this story, and I believe that rock is reference to Christ. And what can we learn from this story of two houses this morning? How can we rely more on the rock as Christians? And how can we have an insightful truth of our relationship with our rock? I'd like to give you three insightful truths this morning. And from these points, I hope we can learn to trust the rock of our grace, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Number one, if you're taking notes, the significance of the man. You see the significance of the man. If you analyze these two buildings, these two houses, we see that there's significance of the man, not just the house, not just the rock or the sand, but about the man. In verse 24 and verse 26, look what it says. It's on the screen as well. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise who? Man. A wise man. And in verse 26, and everyone that heareth these things of mine and doeth them not shall be like unto a, what kind of man? A foolish man. And the Bible is very clear that these houses are built, uh, built by these two men. One man is called a wise man. Another man is called a what? A foolish man. At the end, one house stands after the storm and the other house falls after the stone, storm. And the houses can be a, a picture of your life. And it could be uh, the one that's standing or the one that falls. Yes, our God is sovereign. He does coordinate many of our affairs in life. However, there is a freedom of choice that God has designed in our lives. And we do make individual choices every single day. And by those choices, I believe that we are building up on our lives. And Apostle Paul speaks of this choice in relation to the church. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 12. Now, if any man build upon the foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and that fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire." And as we think about that scripture, Apostle Paul referring to the church, hey, people are building upon a foundation of Jesus Christ, and they're building it by gold, silver, and precious stones, and wood, hay, and stubble. And fire will reveal what is true and what is pure. And guess what? When fire comes, what remains? Only the gold, silver, and precious stones. The wood, hay, and stubble will be burned and will be taken away. You see, as we think about that picture of the church, and uh, what, we're doing as, uh, what we're doing as a church, I believe that's a great application for our lives as well. And as we think about our own choices, we do build our house and we do build our, uh, 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 our lives by different materials, by different choices. And we need to make sure that we are uh, building upon the rock first because without the rock, guarantee you when the storm comes, we will eventually fall and we will eventually receive a great destruction. The house upon the rock is built by a wise man. The house upon the sand is built by a foolish man. And the priority is not what is being built, first of all, but the priority is who is building it. 
Because whoever builds a house will determine the end product. We think about our building this morning, this church building. Okay? There are workers who built it, but there are those who designed it. Okay? And these buildings just didn't come by accident. Some people came together and built this building. By the way, what a beautiful building, amen? All right. And, uh, but, you know, uh, uh, as we look at the building, we have to think, who built that? Who built that? I think that's the first question that you might have. If you see a wonderful building that you're impressed with, you might want to look up who's the architect, who was the contractor. I mean, you want to know who built that building. I think about some buildings that are terrible and that are also sometimes amusing. I have some pictures here online. I'm sure you have looked at them before. I think about this building structure. Can you imagine trying to go through this hallway? And I think about another picture. Somebody building an ATM machine just right below <laughs> that wall there. And I think about another picture. Somebody built an ATM machine just too high. I think about another picture over here. Thank God our bathroom doesn't look like that. Amen? Our church bathroom. And then if you go to the next building, next building, <laughs> can you imagine this person who is trying to surveillance something in this building? I think about another one. Oh, I, don't, I wouldn't want my children going in that <laughs> little slide there. <laughs> don't know where it's going to fall to. <laughs> but I'm just simply saying, as we think about these different building structures and these different designs, we think about, hey, who built that? It's ridiculous. Who built these buildings and who designed those things? But... Humor aside, you know, sometimes when the wrong contractor comes and the wrong builders come, I believe that it could become very dangerous. It's not just humorous, but safety is the issue. Back in 2013, Bangladesh suffered a very terrible tragedy due to a faulty design and inspection of a factory building. The uh, catastrophic collapse happened in April 24, 2013, around 9 a.m. when people were just rushing into work in this factory. And uh, in the capital city of Dhaka. And uh, Rainza Plaza, house for, house for garment factory as well, and some shops and banks in this industrial and also factory type of setting. The search for the dead ended on May 13, 2013, after three weeks. The death toll totaled to 1,129 people. Approximately 2,515 people were injured. The direct reason for this building are the following. Four, number four, they used substandard construction material. Number three, they added three floors above the original permit. Number two, the building was converted from a commercial use to industrial use. Number one, the main reason, the building was first built on a pond without proper authorization. You see, they built this building upon a faulty foundation. That was the number one mistake by these contractors and these government officials who wanted easy money. And, the, and this building represents builders. And as we think about our Christian lives today, as we think about your life today, you make different choices in life. I wonder what kind of building you have today and also what kind of uh, foundation you're building your lives upon. Is it a sand or is it a rock? Because you make the choice whether it will be Christ or yourself and the world. I want to encourage you to build your house 
upon the rock, not on the sand. Oh, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1. Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh down with her hands. Oh, it's up to you and I, ladies and gentlemen. How are you building your life? The significance of the builder. I understand that God is sovereign. Yes, I understand he will walk around all these different choices that we might have. But I believe there is something called sowing and reaping. When we make some different uh, terrible choices in life, we will reap what we sow. And especially in the area, if we're not making our choices based upon on the rock that we're standing on, I believe we're making some terrible, terrible building for our lives. And also we're building it from the wrong foundation. Oh, I want to encourage you to hear what he says and do what he says. That is the main point of the story. Jesus Christ said, hey, let me tell you, those who hear what I say and never do them. It's like a house that's founded upon a sand, and when the storm comes, it's great as a destruction. But let me tell you about a man who hears and do what he says. That person is founded upon a rock. When the storm comes, that house is still standing, and that rock is still there. And ladies and gentlemen, what kind of life are you building through Jesus Christ? I hope you recognize the significance of the name. What kind of family you have? Is your family standing upon the rock today? Is your career, your work, your finances standing upon a rock today? Is your faith standing upon a rock today? Or are you just relying on the world and the secular philosophy? And what makes sense in the standards of man? Are you relying upon a sand rather than the rock? Because what you're doing is like a person who is sharing and never doing it. Many of us know what the Bible says, but we just never do them. And God says, make sure you hear and do what I say. Then you stand upon a rock. Secondly, not only the significance of the man, but also the same trouble. We need to recognize that. Verse 25, the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and the beat upon that house, that first house that stand upon the sand. Verse 27, once again, the same type of storm. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and the beat upon that house. Both of these houses had encountered the same type of storm, the same rain, the same flood, the same winds, the same beatings, but only one stood at the end, the one that was standing upon the rock. In relation to salvation, how all of us have been inherited with the same trouble, the trouble of uh, the sinful nature, the trouble of death, and we are all sinners, but at the end, if you're standing upon the rock, you're safe evermore. You might die, but you will stand not in hell, but will stand in heaven. Why? Because of the rock that is sure, the rock that made the difference for you. Oh, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 18, therefore, as a, by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation. You see, everyone is a sinner. Everyone has inherited the sinful nature. No one is born good. No one is born sinless. Everyone has inherited the sinful nature. We're, we have the same trouble, my friend. But the difference I can make in your life is this. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. See, the Bible says, by Adam we have inherited all these sins. And also we have the sinful nature. 
and we commit sin. And we have death coming for us. But there's another man, God man, his name is Jesus Christ. And he came down and he shed his blood. He died for you. He rose again. And by that, what man you could reap, you could receive righteousness. You could receive salvation. You don't have to be in that trouble of death and hell. No, you could be in glory with our Savior, Jesus Christ. You could be in heaven. Oh, they should do not uh, uh, go to hell from here. Oh, receive Christ as your Savior this morning. Realize that you need to stand on the rock. Hear what he said and, uh, and do what he said. And Jesus Christ said, and uh, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, it's in the person. It's not in the church. It's not in any other man. It's not any other religion. It's on a person. His name is Jesus. And Jesus says, you need to trust me. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man unto, cometh unto the Father. But by me he excluded himself. I am the only one. He is a rock you need to trust this morning. If you're in that trouble of hell, if you're in that trouble of death, you need Jesus Christ. Oh, as Christians today, thank God we're standing on a rock. And uh, this rock will never be moved. And uh, as we think about the rock that we're standing on, you know, as we live out our lives, we face the same trouble as well. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 10 13, let's read this together. Just the first portion, portion there. Let's read it together. Ready? There have no temptation taken you, but such as common to man. You know, there's, you know, there are many troubles you go through, that I go through. You might be thinking, why only me? But ladies and gentlemen, there's another person going through the same thing with you. And, and, and there is some person who went through that same trouble even before. Right? And, that, and that same trouble will happen to another person in the future. There are no temptation taking it, but it's common to man. You see, we have the same trouble of trials and temptations. But we need not to fall because we're building our lives upon the rock. And when the storm comes, my friend, and when the wind starts beating and the rain descends, hey, recognize the fact that Christ is with us. No matter what happens, no matter what kind of trial. Christ is with us. We will stand because he is standing. By the way, Christ says here, both houses receive the beatings by the rain and the rain. Uh, wind and the rain. House on a rock, okay, probably receives some broken windows. House on a rock probably has some missing doors. Probably has some cracked ceilings. And it probably has some holes on the roofs. But it was still standing. That's all that mattered. And you might receive some beatings in life. And the world would do that as well. But thank God we have Jesus Christ. That's the difference, my friend. And ladies and gentlemen, everyone has the same trouble. But I wonder if people have the rock. If you're standing upon a rock. I hope you still stand. I love Ephesians 6.13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. That you may stand able to, you may be able to stand withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. That's all we can do. We just need to stand and fight the good fight. And Jesus Christ, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And Jesus Christ says, I have overcome the world. 
And by the way, in Romans chapter 8, the Bible says very clearly, if God be for us, who can be against us? That's a great truth. Just rely on that. No matter what kind of beating you get in this world. So with that, number three, the stable foundation. The stable foundation. Verse 25, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Verse 27, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. You know, our God is unmovable. Our God has overcome the world. No matter what the world has thrown at him, ridicules, mockery, beatings, persecutions, even death, Christ has overcome. He is unmovable. Have confidence in the rock of your salvation. Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Why be steadfast? Why be unmovable? Why always abound? Because of Jesus Christ. There is no vanity in Christ. There is no death in Christ. There is no grave in Christ. There is no end in Christ. There is no defeat in Christ. Be unmovable. Be steadfast. Keep going for the Lord. Why? Because you're standing upon a rock. I think about verse 57 in that same chapter in 1 Corinthians. But thanks be to God, which giveth us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, when you are standing upon the rock, you will be victorious, my friend. You might be thinking, I'm being defeated. And uh, I'm uh, a loser. I'm losing all these different uh, uh, heartaches in my life. But ladies and gentlemen, to stand on the rock, be steadfast, unmovable. He is sure he will always be there for you. And uh, you could come out victorious. Oh, think about this house being beat by the wind and the flood. As the clouds roll away and the sun starts shining, the house is still there. When you are found upon a rock, you see the rock is always remembered. And also the house is remembered. But if you're standing on a stand, uh, sand and the flood comes and the wind beats upon that house, great is the destruction. The house is no longer. Guess what? The foundation is no longer either. And it's never remembered again. Why? It's been submerged by the flood. When the sun shines and clouds roll away, only that house stands on that good foundation is remembered. And ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says in Psalm 1, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. They will never be remembered. And ladies and gentlemen, do not be jealous, envious of the world. Don't get jealous about how they are so good in their lives and they have prosperity, no financial troubles. Everything seems fine and dandy for them, but you as a righteous is suffering and getting beat, floods come, rain descends. You're thinking, Lord, what is going on? But ladies and gentlemen, at the end, at the end, the world and the lust will not be remembered. Only the righteous and our God will remember. The world passed away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Jesus Christ reigns forevermore. The rock will always remain. Stand on that rock always. Always make your choices based upon that rock. Not on sand. Stop moving around. 
stop building another house over there on a Sunday. But stay on in that house upon that rock. And I believe God will bless you. Hear what he says and do what he says. Just have faith. Just have faith.